This is the Saturday session, of course, here on SENZ. Full coverage of the World Test Championship continues later tonight with Australia on the way to becoming the second ever side uh, to do it. The second uh, team to climb Everest. So we won't remember them in the future, will we, uh, Grant Elliott? Uh, let's catch up with a man who knows one or two things about playing international cricket. Timaru's finest. By Canterbury and Wellington, of course, but these days coaching in Australia. Hamish Kyle Bennett joins the show. How are you, Hamish? Kyle. Yeah, good morning from Australia and good afternoon over there. Yeah, how are the lads going? All good? We're yeah, we, we are excellent, Hamish Kyle. We've been talking about middle names. We're trying to find out what uh, Ben, our producer's <coughs> middle name is, Ben Francis. We're not too sure. We're getting some recommendations. Cedric Adolf's one of them. But um, you're behind enemy lines at the moment in Australia. How difficult is it being behind enemy lines during a time like this where you find Australia versus India in a World Test Championship, the only Test Championship uh, trophy which we are actually home to and current world champions of? It must be tough going. It is tough going, Grant David. Um, Just to go back a step... um, I think he couldn't be Adolf, could he? Because that's illegal, isn't it? To be named any child with that sort of name. So you can probably scrub that one off the, uh, off the list. Yeah, and he's the well, I'm glad you've been yeah, paying attention to our uh, hot-button topic of the day. You know us, Hamish. We, we really do get to the big issues. Yeah, 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 you are. But um, to get back to your serious side of it, Grant, um, yeah, it's pretty painful. Um, listening <laughs> to them. Current, I'm actually, thankfully, I'm actually currently in Darwin. Um working with Papua New Guinea as they try to qualify for the Under-19 World Cup. So I'm a little bit away from a lot of the Australians, but still getting a lot of text messages. Um, and they've sort of moved on to now that um, baseball can't work. So they're, they're hot on that theory again. So it's I can't wait for the Ashes. So they've already got their eyes on the Ashes. But before we move to uh, the more serious cricket, uh, there's probably more serious things going on with you. How are Papua New Guinea Under-19s looking? They're looking good? Look like uh, they're going to qualify? Well, unfortunately, New Zealand didn't go to the last World Cup because of COVID. So New Zealand's here as well. So they're probably going to qualify. If they don't, then either all the players have got to get sacked or the coaches have got to get sacked, one or the other. Um, we're, we're, looking, um, we're looking pretty good for those nations um, out of Fiji, Samoa, Indonesia, Japan, Vanuatu. We're a pretty good side um, if you'd compare us to those other nations. So I think um, – if we, if we beat New Zealand, then we've climbed Everest a couple of times, I reckon. So we're very athletic, got good arms, um, pretty good bowling. It's just that I think what the Island Nations just misses that, as you've experienced, Grant, with um, Zion and Flinny and Daniel, your experience with your kids, is just that growing up of going to cricket every week and doing batting drills and doing bowling drills, just those fundamentals you learn over sort of that the New Zealand kids would have learned over 10, 12 years of playing cricket. Um, just don't get that in, in Papua New Guinea. So you sort of just, you know, you're just trying to make the most of their natural talent and just trying to teach them as sort of the things you can that are realistic for them to, to go out and execute on, on the game day. So it's been it's been great fun, mate. And we're in Darwin, the hottest place on earth. It's about 9.45, 9.50. It's already 31 degrees. So it's um, oh, you know, melting away here. <laughs> well, it's four degrees here when I woke up this morning. Uh, I miss you'll be missing that. But luckily, they've got your coaching yeah. prowess over there. But let's move to the World Test Championship. I want to ask you something from a bowler's point of view. There was an interesting stat. India won the toss. and There were two things there. They won the toss, they bowled. It did look like a bowler-friendly wicket. The other thing is they left out Ravi Ashwin, number one test bowler in the world, number two 
all-rounder in the world. Um, but they only they bowled 9% of their deliveries were hitting the stumps on day one. Did they miss a trick? Uh, I think if I think they must have looked at the pitch and then thought that's the lineup they're going to go after four seamers, leave Ashwin out. Purely thinking that Australia would bat first and purely thinking that there are 100% chance of bowling if they were going to win the toss and bowl in Australia were going to bat. I just think they're going to have to revisit, and I know it's a big one and they probably won't be able to do it, but they're going to, if they're going to keep making the final the World Test Championship, they're going to have to revisit what they do around the IPL. I think these guys come off too much. Um, they don't probably come off enough sort of time in the legs or enough bowling. Yeah. I know you say you can do it. I know you say you can do it, but with an overseas coach like Ricky Ponting, um, said on the coverage last night, um, someone asked him if he talked much to David Warner about the World Test Championship, and he sort of joked and said, don't know if you watched Delhi's season, but I was worried about the next game. I wasn't worried about the World Test Championship. I couldn't care less about it. So wow. you think of what the coach, what the coaches are thinking at the time um, of their IPL season, and you're trying to keep your bowlers' energies, energy levels up with 14 games. How do you actually get them to get the Dukes ball in their hand, have a set of 10, 15 overs in a day, actually get used to on the top of off stump again. Um, it's actually a bit of a harder art. I know it would sound ridiculous, but it's a little bit of a harder art coming out of T20 where your brain's always thinking, right, what am I going to do next? Do I need to bowl a slide ball? Do I need to bowl a Yorker? Do I need to bowl a yeah. bouncer? Am I, how am I going to go for one run here? As opposed to just locking yourself into getting your action back to the, the most pure it can be and actually just focusing on hitting the top of off stump mm. for a long period of time and then backing up the next day and doing it again. I think that's when India... Missed a trick on that. So I think, yeah, in hindsight, they were obviously, even if they bowled first, I think you could have played Ashwin with strength in your batting um, and then probably get rid of um, Yadish. Yeah, who's delivered a bit of a mixed bag. They, they did play the number one test all-rounder, though, Grant. They, they left out the number two True. Uh, all-rounder. They got the number one in, in Ravi Jadeja. My notes, 23 overs in the first session, 28 in the second. When conditions are at their best, Hamish, can you explain to me when conditions are at the best after you've inserted a side, for somehow, some way, by T, you've only bowled fifty-one overs? Surely, I knew you would have been in a position you're bowling more than. Fi- fi- you're going to bowl more than fifty-one overs in the first two sessions. You don't want to be in a position where you bowl thirty-four overs in the final session and go at four point six two runs and over, concede one hundred and fifty-seven runs uh, without the loss of a wicket. C- can you speed through your overs and still make them? You know a high enough standard to, to threaten the top order when you know the sun is coming? Um, I totally agree with you. You've got to get through your overs better. Um, something that probably a few people are laughing at now with me mentioning that. Oh, I was never great at that. But, um, <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> I think that I think what we're actually missing and what people don't bring up because it's obviously sponsorship dollars is I think we can get, actually get rid of the drinks breaking test cricket, but we'll never get rid of it because of the sponsorship dollars. And also DRS. Yep. So you look at the amount of time that the drinks break and DRS takes. It's a huge amount of time um, during the actual only two hours that you've got. So I think we need to figure out a way of actually either extending the sessions to two hours, 10 or something like that to actually give ourselves some more time so there's not that big. Because we need to get 90 overs at the end of the day. Like, I think people pay their money. We just need to figure out a way to get 90 overs in, in the day. Whether the, the last session just goes timeless until you bowl your 90. But there needs to be something to get those 90 overs in because it, it makes for a better game as well. Like You want to yeah. see the second new ball coming on that, on that day. You want to see that, you know, at the end of the day, w- wicket four, a new batter come in vulnerable. So 
I know in New Zealand first class career years ago, we got rid of the drinks breaks and the overrates just went through the roof and the overtime that we did actually just went down because it was a minimum of three overs you're going to make up. And often if you're going through the middle session or the end session, there's some spin on. So you actually made up a couple of overs. So without having a drinks break, you actually made up about five overs of time. Yeah. And you, you just get drinks on the boundary and there's 12 men running in and out, and all, the sort of, all that sort of stuff. So we need to figure out but a way to do but it. It's but it's about the keep, bowling keep team. sponsorship dollars. It's more... Yeah, it's more about the bowling team. Is there any talk around, like, let's get through as many overs as possible in the first three hours? From the captain, because he doesn't want to be suspended, yes, depending on how... But you want to get wickets. The... You're more likely oh, to get wickets in the first three hours than the second three hours. Of course. The pitch is green. You win the toss. You decide to bowl. You and you bowl four three, seamers. And you bowl 23 overs before lunch. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I, I really yeah, do get your points. And it's, yeah. it, it didn't strike me as particularly smart. No. Uh, my notes on Travis Head. Let's not uh, forget about him, Hamish. Uh, got going straight away. Nothing timid about his batting. Bat hits ball. He, you know what I mean? He goes at, he goes at it. And I've got notes here: ramps, cuts, drives, slashes. He'll play all of them. He's all action, isn't he? He's yeah. not the prettiest, but he's darn effective. Well, you're gonna have a giggle at this. I read an article the other day in Australia. Apparently, he invented baseball. It was trev ball, and apparently, Brendan stole the idea from oh. him. So, okay. like the Pavlova. So, yeah, yeah, Sir Vivian exactly. says hello to everyone. Hello. Sir Vivian says hello. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I think, um, yeah, you're right, plays all the shots. But India did expose on that next morning of day two um, the short ball um, actually early in his innings. So, I think there would be something the English would be watching, um, trying to expose that short ball and actually get up him straight away. I think he likes to play when he's in, but not when not when he's uh, early into the uh, early into his innings. So that's something that they'll they'll use. But he played a great innings. I think what it showed was <clears throat> on that surface you probably didn't see last night because you were been sleeping. Way Siraj bowled to Labuschagne, just balls just absolutely going through the top, wrapped him on the gloves sort of two or three times, hit him on the pads, made him fall over. Um, Labuschagne did really well to stay not out and bat the way he did. So. I think actually on that wicket, people talk about how it's hard. I actually think you're better to play shots when the wicket's actually difficult. You're going to get yourself in better positions. You're actually going to look to score. Yeah, you're just going to be in better positions. You're actually going to be a better judge of what you can and can't play, what to leave. So I think Trav, Travis played that really well in the first inning. So hopefully India take that same mindset going into the second inning and trying to, trying to win the game. Yeah, uh, one of the things, uh, Hamish, that, that we're seeing in Test cricket, and you mentioned or well, Daniel mentioned uh, Travis Head uh, just being really attacking. Ben Duckett, um, when he scored his, his 150 recently, he has only left eight balls in his 605 test runs since rejoining the test side. He's left at eight. He's only left eight deliveries. Now, Rigger just crashed his car listening to that. <laughs> if that stat is correct. Well, I mean, he, wouldn't be listening we to, seeing... he wouldn't be listening to today, would he? <laughs> But, but Hamish, if that's correct, I mean, are we seeing, you know, a whole new way of playing test cricket? Because Steve Smith came out and he said, Baz ball will not work in these conditions because, like you said, the pitch was a little bit up and down. He said, these conditions, you cannot play like that. How do you feel about that? He also mentioned the fact he's very interested to see how they go against the Australian attack. And I think yes. that's the most important point. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think you look at Judasia's innings. I know he got 40-odd, but it was almost close to run a ball. You look at um, when actually the tail-enders came out last night for India, and they actually played some shots, how, how much easier the wicket actually looked. They actually looked in control for half an hour or so in that period. Look at the way Travis Head played. I actually think, 
Yeah, maybe maybe every time Duckett leaves the ball, he has to buy uh, bags of beer. So maybe that's why he's not leaving too many. But I think it's just the way the amount of white ball cricket you play, and you're always looking to score. As you would know, Grant, when you scored that 100 in Scotland when you rode, rode your bat like a pony, was that you, <laughs> you're, always, you're always looking to score. So you're actually in better positions. You're actually better. You're actually just your body weight. Everything's just you're not timid. You're actually looking to get into the ball. And you're just looking to score, and that's just the diet of what people are playing at the moment. They're playing T20, they're playing the hundred, they're playing, um, yeah, what, uh, the one day cricket as well. So, I just think if you're in good positions and you can score runs, then why wouldn't you? As opposed to just looking to stay and bat for for as long as you can. Australia actually, which I was surprised in coming over here, actually pretty traditional in the way they play the game. They like to defend, give the first session to the bowlers. They're sort of they're not too sure about attacking the bowlers. They they pay a lot of respect to the conditions and to the bowlers. So I actually think no one's ever spoke about in the media. They've always spoke about what happens if Bears ball goes wrong. Well, would, at least they're going to go down as Brendan would always say to us, Grant. At least we're going to die going up. You know, we're not going to die in a hole. We're going to go. We're going to die swinging, as opposed to how England died in Australia last Ashes. They died in a hole. It was terrible to watch. And also, yeah, no one's well. ever spoke about what happens, what happens if it does work. What happens if England get 550 on the first day to clear and have Australia one down overnight? What's Australia going to do? Well, no one's ever spoke about that because apparently it will, it will never happen. But it's brave to say it won't happen over five tests. That's, that's my opinion. Well, I mean, that's talking about the Ashes. Let's talk about mm. the World Test Championship now and how they're going. I keep getting, Australia. Keep getting, keep getting, keep, no. Well, I mean, behind oh, enemy you, lines, we, they, lead you that's down what they're the talking about. I'm giving India a zero yeah. percent chance of winning this this game from here on in. At the TAB, dollar twenty six. And Australia, you put money on Australia. Yeah. Australia. Pretty good return. Australia leading by two hundred ninety six runs at the moment, and um, I'd say that the most ever chase test score, which I'm looking at now, was in two thousand three, was West Indies versus Australia in Antigua. Where West Indies won mm. by three wickets, and that was 418. Yes, mm. and some guy, Lara, probably was playing, right? Brian Charles. Oh, wait, wait, when was today? it? What year? Yeah, Brian, Charles. Brian Charles got runs. Of course, Brian yeah. Charles, um, 68. Uh, fourth innings, mate. And 60. 260s. You doubted me. 260s. 60, and some guy, Sarwan and Chanderpool got hundreds. Yeah, they could, that Chanderpool could play. Anyway, so, so you're giving. Are either of you well, who played at the highest level, what's, what's, are you giving India much chance, point? any chance? What's the uh, draw? The draw? There's a little bit of, ra- there's a little bit of rain around today. So if, so if anyone's got a sneaky little couple of dollars, apparently there's a little bit of rain around London today. So the draw could be a chance. But I, I probably agree with you, Daniel. I'll give them 1% so um, Lloyd Christmas doesn't go against me. But right. I think... Um, <laughs> But I, I think, um, I think, yeah, I think it's Australia's test to lose. I think you're right. If Australia don't win from here, then um, it will bring a lot of doubts into that Ashes that we won't speak about. We we'll go back to the World Test Championship. Sorry, Grant. And I think that um, I think India, yeah, it's a big, big mountain to climb. They're going to have to take a lot of early wickets. They're going to have to bowl Australia out within the first session, probably in the first hour or so to actually be in the game. And I think, as Justin Langer said last night on, comment, on commentary, they don't actually. Australia won't be looking at the runs. All the medical, te- medical team wants is them with 24 hours of no bowling. So once that 24 hours is up, then I think you can expect Australia to, to clear just maybe just after lunch, half an hour or so after lunch, and then come in and try and 
take three or four poles before day five. So, yeah, India, huge mountain to climb, and you would you you give you probably give them no chance, as they would say over yeah, here. No, I, I fully agree with both of you. I think they had the opportunity when they won the toss; they could select the team they wanted on a nice green wicket, and nine percent of the deliveries hit the stumps. So, I think uh, it's going to be an uphill battle. Something really spectacular has to happen, but. A draw? I don't think so, Hamish. You know what those English conditions are like. They've got uh, covers like they do in Gaul. And I turned up at Gaul in yeah. a test match and we thought we'd never be playing. Raindrops the size of humans were coming down and the whole field was covered. So, yeah, I don't think that uh, weather will play too much of a part, but you're right there. Now, Hamish, I don't know if you've been taking much note on um, the players that were offered central contracts. Now, I've spoken about Ravi Ashwin being uh, left out of this test match, the World Test Championship, Ajaz Patel misses out on a central contract. Um, did you see the names of the, the centrally contracted players? Uh, yeah, I still keep an eye on it, um, Grant. Um, I don't think you've ever called me Hamish so much, so many times in my life. Um, yeah, so <laughs> no, I kept an eye on it. And um, yeah, I think Ajaz, he's got to go down as one of the unluckiest cricketers um, ever to have played the game. I mean, guy, guy got 10 for... Can't get a yeah. gig. Um, I guess it's, it's just so hard with, in New Zealand conditions. And I think with AJs, it all depends on where the fixtures are. So I'm not sure off the yeah, top of my head where the fixtures are for New Zealand coming. But if they had, you know, some test series in India, Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, then you I, would, if the majority I, or, or half the tests were in the subcontinent or the West Indies or something, you would you would definitely have them on your list. But if they're not, then it just, I guess it's hard to justify it from, from the NZC point of view. And they're not. Hamish, I think there's a trip to Bangladesh, uh, but then Australia, South Africa come here. I, I think like tw- the, the next contracting period, so 12, mo- 12 months from today, a year in advance, then I think there's tours yeah. to Sri Lanka and India on the horizon. So he could be firmly back in the mix in 12 yeah. months' time. But, but it is Yeah, yeah I, I think he'll, definitely, he'll definitely go to Bangladesh. He'll definitely go to Bangladesh and be the number one bowler in the Bangladesh tour, you think, unless Grant wants to get his strides back on and go back over to Bangus. But, um, well, I think, I think Ish Sodi outbowled yeah. him in Pakistan. I thought Ish Sodi outbowled him in Pakistan. Yeah, but I think as well, do you think, like, so, you know, in his head, it would be very hard. I know this sounds ridiculous as well, but it should be quite hard being AGS because you come in, you, yes. you literally play the, perf- you play the perfect game. You get 10 wickets, you get 14 or something in the game, whatever he did. And then you have so many times where you actually miss out. You miss the next squad. You miss you miss games, and you've actually you've actually given everything you can. So when he actually does go out there, you wonder what's going through his head. How much pressure he's putting on himself? Does he actually does he feel back from New Zealand cricket? I mean, I'm sure Steady and the staff all back him, but does AJ's actually genuinely feel backed? There's actually that that difference. You know, does he feel like every bad ball he bowls, he's never going to play again? You just don't know what's going inside his head. So if you figure out what his headspace is like, if you can get him into a really good headspace, um, not saying that he's not, but if he isn't, then that, that can actually control a lot of factors in the way that he bowls. Yeah, I, I really agree with you, Hamish, because I think the most difficult thing is, and this is why I brought it up, is I think he should be involved in the contracting process to give him backing, to give him confidence. But also, you look at someone like Nathan Lyon and, um, you know, Horitz, that, that played for Australia, these, these off-spinning bowlers that everyone gives no chance of really succeeding in a lineup where you've got you know, the likes of Cummins and Mitchell Johnson and Brett Lee back in the day, um, 
they keep playing them, keep giving them confidence, and in conditions where they're not necessarily spinner-friendly, but because <clears> they're always playing, they're always in form, and then when, when they go to the subcontinent, they're ready to go. No, Whereas all- we expect our spinners to not play test cricket and have a diet of, you know, domestic cricket here, and then they go to India and they go, win us a game, eh, Jazz? But it's, but it's also what they do in Australia. The, the, the difference what Nathan Lyon does compared to all visiting spinners in Australia, it, it's a massive, massive <coughs> advantage to Australia because they keep bowling. Well, what, yep, uh, they keep bowling them. Well, they get them into the game early. That's what Australia does straight away. In Australia, yeah. I think that's where overseas, have, overseas teams have actually not played their card right. You've got to... You got to get your spinner on for your second change, I reckon. Um, get them on just for a couple, and then take them off. And also, what Nathan Lyon does, um, paired to every other spinner that goes to Australia. So hopefully, our spinners are listening. If they're listening to the show, there's an Australia bowl with a lot of overspin. So you watch Lyon bowl. He actually bowls from, you know, his bi- his right biceps actually close to his right ear. So he actually can get the bounce in Australia. That's where actually spinners go. Wow, why off spinners are such a big hit in Australia at the moment. It's because the bounce and the turn they can get. Whereas you look at someone like Ajaz or even look at Michael Bracewell, he'll definitely get bounced. But they actually, where their arm is released, it's more at sort of, <clears throat> I guess, more at that two o'clock as opposed to Nathan Lyon, who's actually more around that sort of, you know, th- he's trying to get there at that 12 o'clock or just, just outside of it. So in Australia, you actually need to get that bounce um, and that overspin. So hopefully when we go there, if Bracewell will play, he can, he can um, achieve that and that's how we'll get it in Australia. But... To go back to your point, you're right. I think AJS can do a job for us. He, you know, Central Districts, they just plug him in from one end and he bowled 20, 30 overs while they used to rotate Bracewell, Milne, Wheeler, Rance, Tickner. That's why they were so successful. They did it at domestic cricket. There's no reason why it couldn't happen at, um, at international cricket. Oh, Hamish Bennett, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the show. Love your insight and behind enemy alliance. Enjoy the punishing chat when Australia, by the sounds of things, win the World Test Championship, the second team ever. Just call them Ernst Reese. To say well done Uh, for being Ernst Reese. Any idea who Ernst Reese was? Well, I'm assuming he's the the second person that got up there. Yeah, apparently yeah. he led a Swiss expedition <laughs> yeah. in 1956. Not that any of us remember, yeah. nor care. Like, uh, Hamish, great to hear your voice, on, mate. Take he's it not easy. On the Swiss $5 note. No. <laughs> <laughs> so very true. 